Awesome. It is amazing to be here tonight. My voice is breaking up a bit, but hopefully it will hold out. Uh, been back in the UK for a couple of weeks, been around a few different churches. I have asked in some of those churches, is anyone from Cheltenham? But I'm not going to do that tonight. Uh, anyone from Brazil? I know there's one. There's Hakel. You're from Brazil too? Ótimo. Anyone else? Okay. Over here as well. Where's that? Over there. Fantastic. Awesome. Anyone from Florianopolis? Brazil. <laughs> Worth a try. <laughs> Fantastic. I've got some slides which are going to come up now. And we'll just remind you a bit about who we are, our link, um, how you guys can pray and support us. And then we'll get into tonight's theme. So this is my family. You know, I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces here, some new faces, some very young new faces as well. It's possible that um, when I came to faith at this church, a lot of you weren't even born, actually. That's quite a scary thought, isn't it? For me, it is anyway. Um, this is my family, my wife, Katja, who's Brazilian, uh, our daughter, Joanna, who's 10, and Davi, our son, who turned six this week. Unfortunately, you've been landed with the ugliest member of the Rocks family tonight. So, great to say. So, um, but on the next slide. So, we live in Florianópolis, Brazil, um, which is the capital of the second most southern state in Brazil, which is an island surrounded by some gorgeous beaches. I know. The Lord calls us to some difficult places. <laughs> a few people have been out. Just raise your hand if you've been out on a mission trip. I know Holly's been out. Yeah, Helen's been out as well. Anyone? You've, you've, you weren't with these guys. But you've been to Brazil. Okay. But specifically Florianopolis. Anyone else? Oh, up there as well. Okay. Ah, fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, next one. So we went some uh, <clears throat> nearly five years ago to Florianopolis, feeling called by God to plant a church that plants churches. Okay, as part of the vineyard movement. There's an Anglican here who did a curacy. We won't go into that. But um, uh, this is our church where it's at at the moment. You know, since we were last here a little over a year ago, um, we've moved building to a larger space. Uh, on the main strip where we live, and, and we've seen the church grow quite a bit. We're seeing new ministries spring up from that. And as of last month, we started a new congregation. Our, our church in Ingleses, on the island of Florianopolis, okay, uh, meets in the evening, and we started a new congregation in the morning on the mainland in San Jose, um, which is uh, one of the adjoining cities there. And it's really our vision that we will plant out many congregations of our church in and around Florianopolis and also develop something of a training center as well. One of the things we're going to launch this year is a version of the new Wine Discipleship Year. We're going to compact it down, condense it down into five months. So we can't call it the New Wine Discipleship Year, uh, but we're going to call it the New Wine Discipleship School. Creative name, I know. Um, and uh, for us, I think that's just the start of various schools of ministry that we would like to, to start up as we look to equip people to live out God's mission in day-to-day -day life. Just the uh, next slide, just to give you a taste of uh, 
as a church, as some of the things we like to do, we're, we're passionate about reaching people for Jesus and, and, and seeing people outside the four walls of the church impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Great to hear about what you guys are going to be doing over this next week during race week when Cheltenham descends into utter madness, which I think has gotten a lot worse since I lived in Cheltenham. I think that's what happened. I left and it went downhill. Um, it was already going downhill before then. Um, next one as well. Uh, so often we, we like to be out and about offering prayer on the street this time of year when it's hot and the beaches are full on the beach as well. So next slide. <clears throat> if you would like to follow us more closely, because we are mission partners of the church here. As, as a church, you are one of our supporting churches who pray for us and support us as a family financially, which enables us to do what we're doing. Basically, you pay us and we stay away. Okay. But um, if you'd like to follow our work more closely, uh, you can do that through social media, Facebook. If you look for the Rocks Family Brazil or uh, Instagram as well, uh, Rocks Family in Brazil, you can follow what we're doing. We like to update that with pictures, prayer requests, testimonies, links to any uh, letters that we've produced as well and whatnot. But also as well, if you would like to uh, think through and pray through supporting us as an individual as well, because our support is made up from churches and individuals, I've put some of these at the back and you can take that away and um, through CMS supporters, whether it's a one-off donation or become a regular supporter. Um, so we're going to dive in to our theme this evening, uh, the Lent series that we had... Um, <clears throat> that you are exploring as a church. And tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus in the wilderness. So why don't we open our Bibles um, at Mark chapter 1 from verse 2 and onwards. <clears throat> and why don't we just uh, read that. Feel free to open it in your Bible or on your phone. Let's read that together. It's going to be on the screen as well. Hopefully it's big enough to read. Uh, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching, and bat uh, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one, uh, the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and unite. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son. Who I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, 
and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The word of the Lord. So the focus of tonight, of the chapter we've read, is Jesus, his time in the wilderness. And Mark's gospel, uh, the wilderness provides a backdrop for our first encounter with Jesus. This is right smack bang at the beginning um, of the gospel of Mark. And also our first encounter with John the Baptist as well. Uh, Jesus was, was baptized in the wilderness and then driven further into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for 40 days. Now, uh, for, for those, the people of God at that time, there had been silence for some three to four hundred years since the book of Malachi. And the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, ended with the promise that God would send a messenger before him to prepare uh, the people, God's people, to receive their God. The messenger being a new Elijah. There is a sense in which the story, the story we read tonight, uh, picks up where the Old Testament left off. In the Old Testament, Elijah was used to turn the hearts of the nation back to their God, to the true God, to Yahweh, um, after many in the nation uh, had become worshippers of Baal, a detestable Canaanite God. John the Baptist was identified as this new prophesied Elijah figure. Like Elijah, John, uh, very fashionable, garments of camel's hair, leather belt. Anyone be wearing that race week? Probably not. Um, And also like Elijah, he was a figure who challenged the behavior of the powerful of kings. And ultimately, this led uh, to John's imprisonment and beheading. He was uh, called to call people to repentance, uh, to prepare them to receive the long-awaited prophesied Messiah. And Lent, as we are now in the, in the period of Lent, Lent is really, it, it's a time for Christians, for those who observe this time, it's a time of preparation. It's a time of reflection. For the people of God at this time, there was a whole lot of waiting that happened between the Old Testament being finished, sealed up, and John the Baptist, and then subsequently Jesus appearing on the scene. We no longer, as God's people, are, are waiting as they waited, as those in Mark's gospel. Uh, the world, through the, through the life and ministry of Jesus, has been forever changed through his ministry, his teaching, his death and resurrection, through the kingdom that he inaugurated in his ministry, which continues to invade our world at present. And if we're here tonight, it's probably because we have met with Jesus in some way. We have tasted something of his kingdom. However, we can often feel as though we are waiting 
waiting for God to move in our lives, waiting for prayers, specific prayers that we pray to be answered, waiting perhaps for a more powerful move of God's Spirit among us, out, outside of there, perhaps waiting for healing, perhaps waiting for God's intervention in our family lives, in a loved one's life. Lent reminds us that, that we live in tension as Christians. The Christian life, we have to learn to live with tension, the tension of the now and not yet of God's kingdom. You know, we see God at work, but we long for greater transformation and healing in ourselves. We long to see the world around us transformed by the inbreaking of the kingdom. We know the kingdom's here. We see signs of it. We hear great stories. Perhaps we've seen God work through us or in us miraculously, but yet we long for the fullness. We know that when Jesus returns, the kingdom would be fully here, that there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, that we will be completely healed and restored. We will be whole. We will be, um, as followers of Jesus, we will be uh, uh, conformed to his likeness completely. The world will be liberated from its bondage. Heaven and earth will be completely reintegrated. And yet, before Jesus returns and we see the fullness of the kingdom, we long to see more in our day-to-day lives. So we live in that tension of waiting, of seeking, of interceding, uh, crying out for God to intervene knowing that that tension, actually, it's part of life. It's part of following Jesus. And as many Christians who who observe Lent, by observing Lent, what what we are doing when we give something up, okay, is we are making space in our lives, making space for God. That's really the idea of giving stuff up for Lent. Maybe it's a good idea, it's a good opportunity to lose a bit of weight if you're giving up chocolate or or something like that. But really the idea behind it is that we make space in our lives to connect with God. And as uh, Paula Gooder put it in her book, maybe they could put the, the quote up. It's a space that enables us to journey into wide places of the wilderness so that our senses can readjust and feel once more the gentle but insistent love of God. That's what we do by giving something up. You know, it's not about earning brownie points with God, but about creating space uh, in our lives for us to connect with Him and for Him to, the, to deposit something of Himself in our lives, making us more like Jesus. In the frantic pace of modern life, it can be so difficult to hear God's small, still voice. You know, we need to be intentional about slowing down and connecting with God. It doesn't happen by itself, particularly if you're working, if you're a a mom, a dad with young children. You, You need to be intentional. You need to slow down and create that space to connect with God. The wilderness symbolizes such a place. It was a place where Jesus withdrew for a season from the distractions of day-to-day life. And it's essential for us as Christians, for our own spiritual, emotional, physical well-being, that we establish rhythms of withdrawing for a time 
to be with the Lord, to rest, to rest in his presence, to hear his small voice for our lives. Repentance as well is a huge theme. I'm going to explore that a bit. You know, Mark draws uh, quite a lot on Malachi. Malachi 4, verse 5 to 6, uh, says the following. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the heart of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. The word for turn here in Hebrew, the word shub, can also be translated as repentance. And repentance can be defined as turning away from sin, turning away from destructive patterns and and behaviors in our lives. And as we do that, we turn to God. We turn back to each other. Relationships are healed and restored. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. You know, as we think about the cross of Christ and forgiveness, it's interesting that uh, if you like the, the bars of the cross, uh, th- th- there's a, a, a vertical dimension and a horizontal dimension. And reconciliation in the Christian faith is about both of that. It's about being reconciled to God, living in right relationship with God. But also, through the cross, we can be reconciled to one another. Our relationships can be healed and restored. That's what repentance is about, turning away from sin, destructive behaviors, and turning towards the love of God. You know, I remember when I met with Jesus, uh, I asked him into my life. I asked to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And I had this incredible sense of like love being poured out into my interior. And I knew it was God. And what changed for me is that after that time, before then, when I prayed, it was like my prayers would hit the ceiling and the words would bounce back. I didn't sense anything, any connection. But after that, when I prayed, I could sense the nearness of God, the presence of God. There was a a connection with God that was established. And repentance brings about that connection with God. I turned away from living for myself and I turned towards the love of God. That's what repentance is. We turn towards God and to one another. We surrender to his love. And God, he calls us to live a life of love. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, etc. And love your neighbor as yourself. Repentance prepares us to receive God's love. So as I turned towards Jesus, Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my life, that prepared me to receive the love of God. And God's love fills us, we are filled with God's love, and with a love for others as well. Another theme in this, in the wilderness, and the importance of of, of seeking to go into the wilderness, as I've already alluded to tonight, is, is, is hearing God's voice, creating space where we can hear that still, small voice, okay? And and as the people of God, I believe it's essential, particularly in the chaos of modern life, that we are attuned to God's voice. 
Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. Or literally in the Hebrew, stop fighting. Know that I am God. It is a command that we calm ourselves, that we slow ourselves in the presence of God. Put ourselves before him. Going back to the wilderness, the wilderness is a place of danger, redemption, but also, uh, as it it still is that today, it's also a place of solitude and spaciousness. For Jesus, before he began his public ministry, the wilderness would have provided him with a space to be with his father, to prepare him for all that he would undertake, for the incredible demands that were upon him. You know, we see in Jesus' ministry that many times he, he attempted to, to withdraw. He rose early in the morning to pray. But so often he would be followed by the crowds. I remember um, before you get ordained into the CFV, you have an ordination retreat. That's about three to four days. And it could be completely silent or as in the case of my one. It was a, a partially silent retreat. And the, and the experienced priest who was leading that retreat, I remember the words he said, see this time as a gift from God. And I think now, actually, in the hecticness of life, uh, ministry, how I long for more times like that. Time, uh, how I crave solitude. Times of extended solitude, time to be alone with God, uh, time to rest in his presence and attune myself to that small, that still, small voice. Those times in solitude, they prepare us. They prepare us as we seek to serve God in this world. And those are, uh, I think it's essential actually as Christians, and particularly as Christians who, who are active in serving the Lord, that we establish rhythms where we find solitude, where we still ourselves before God. Now, I imagine that for most of us here, spending 40 days in the wilderness isn't practical for any of us. Maybe for myself in Florianopolis in Brazil. I could go back and spend 40 days on the beach. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. But I'd love to challenge us tonight about finding that space to rest in God's presence and to hear his voice. Maybe if you've not established something for rent, uh, rent for Lent, a kind of discipline, okay, or giving something up so that you can intentionally spend more time in God and put yourself in a place where you can be renewed by him, it's still not too late. Think about for this season, what it is for you, what's practical in your routine, something that will allow you to have that space with God. Maybe it's not watching Netflix in the evening. Maybe giving up EastEnders if people still watch that. People still watching that? No. I was going to ask what's happening. How's Phil Mitchell? Still just alive. Fantastic. Awesome. But think about, be intentional, because it doesn't happen by itself. Okay? 
By the end of our passage as well, Jesus moves from the wide open space in the wilderness to everyday life as he heads back to Galilee. The inward life finds its outworking in our public life. So if we are being impacted by God, if we are being renewed by him, if we are having those times of rest and our soul is being revitalized, that will outwork itself in our day-to-day lives. There will be an, an, an overflow of that. And I'm a firm believer that anointed ministry, a ministry anointed by the Holy Spirit is born out of that place of encounter in the wilderness with God, in that secret place, that secret life that we have built. It's interesting that in Luke's gospel, Luke says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted, but he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Interesting. You know, as a missionary evangelist type, I want to finish the day by putting a missional slant on our theme. That that inner life we receive as we are intentional about digging deeper into God and making space for him overflows into our day-to-day lives. Whether that's in the workplace, the school gate, in the gym, wherever God has placed you. That there is something of that life that you're experiencing that others around you can have a taste, can experience for themselves. Now, as we enter into that place of retreat with God, we come out carrying something of his kingdom. As we press in to his voice and try to be more sensitive, actually, we, we come out with a greater sense of calling to this world, of what God wants us to do, what our life and vocation is about. As we try and tune ourselves to his voice in the wilderness, as we come out on that place of solitude, we're more sensitive to his voice in our day-to-day lives. And that's something I'm passionate about as a church leader, as an evangelist-type person, is being sensitive to God's spirit and what he is doing out in the world. And withdrawing for a time and being alone with Jesus enables us to be more sensitive when we're out and about. Let me share some recent stories. I was in Harrogate at the same conference as Andrew this week and noticed a, um, a steward who I thought I saw down the gym one night there, chatted to him a little bit one night in the meeting. And on the last day, he was at the, the entrance. He was the guy frisking everyone for the bags and stuff. Kind of got into a chat with him. Northerners are really chatty, aren't they? They're, they're, they're good folk. Um, and uh, someone mentioned that uh, I was in Brazil, so we started talking about that. Then he started opening up and talking about his life and how he'd been excluded from school. There were some parallels with my story. So shared a bit about my story about being excluded from school, but also how he came to faith in Jesus and just praying. God, give me something for him. And as I was chatting to him, I just had a sense that he had an issue with his left shoulder. So during the conversation, I just said, excuse me, mate, that might sound weird, but do you have pain, a problem in this shoulder related to your gym stuff? And he was like, yeah, how do you know that? And I explained that actually sometimes Jesus shows me stuff about other people because he wants to heal them, he wants to reveal his love. And I asked him, can I, can I pray for you? And he was like, yeah, you can do that. So even though people were coming in and out, he allowed me to pray for him, and uh, he was pain-free. 
after, after praying for that, we shared more. Amazing thing was, as I was leaving the conference as well, met someone from Harrogate, was able to link them up so they could invite him to their church as well. But it's that sensitivity, creating that sensitivity to God's voice. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm hurried, when I'm in a hurried state, that kind of stuff happens less in my day-to-day life. But what I find is that when I live from the kingdom, when I try and immerse myself in God's kingdom, mission becomes more natural, even when I don't feel up to it. Uh, A few weeks ago in the gym in Brazil, when when I go to the gym in Brazil, it tends to be in the morning. I'm not an amazing morning person, and I don't feel super spiritual in the morning, okay? I know it's hard to believe, but... I don't. Um, and uh, I noticed that there was someone who, who I see down the gym and chat to quite often who wasn't there for about a week or so and uh, was there that day. And I just asked, where have you been? Have you, you know, like been injured or something? Something wrong. And he, and he was saying, he's quite a big guy, shaved head, tattoos all over, even on his head. And uh, he said, well, well, I've hurt my arm. And then someone hit it in jinjitsu, so it was hurting even more. I just, uh, natu- it just seems to come out naturally now even if I don't feel super spiritual in that moment. And I just said to him, um, Joe, can I pray for you to be healed? I believe Jesus can heal you. He wants to heal you, to show you his love. And he's like, okay, yeah, pray for that arm and pray for this one too, because that's hurting as well. His plan that day was to do a light workout to get back into the swing of things. Uh, We prayed for him. He felt a lot of heat and tingling. The pain completely went. And then he went and got the heaviest dumbbells and worked out and said, can't feel a thing. That's amazing. We had, we've had several great conversations about Jesus. But as we're intentional about carving that life, carving out space in our lives to be in that secret place, mission, you know, uh, signs of the kingdom, that boldness, it just becomes more and more natural. It just seems to find its outworking in our day-to-day lives. Amen? So I want to challenge you. Find space. Make space. Think about the place of solitude in your life. And that's something I've had to learn a lot more in recent years. It's just been intentional. And actually drawing on Christian traditions such as the contemplative tradition and silencing myself from that. But it surprised me actually that people who are really uh, perhaps champions in the areas of para-evangelism, the kind of ministry I've described tonight, praying for people out and about, being used prophetically. They draw so much upon solitude and contemplation, creating that sensitivity to God's voice. Why don't we pray and see what the Lord wants to do? Why don't we stand up? Mm. And we're going to quieten our hearts and we're going to make space for the Holy Spirit and see what he wants to do amongst us tonight. So I want to encourage you, perhaps close your eyes, you can open your hands. Sometimes just open posture helps us to be open inwardly to the Lord. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and we're going to wait on him. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good God. You're a loving God. And I I thank you that you long to pour out your love into our hearts. 
Lord, we want to give you space. Spirit of God, come upon us. We welcome you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. More. More of you. just going to keep waiting but just a sense that God just wants to fill this place with his peace Lord fill this place with your fragrance with your peace we welcome you let your peace rest upon us and calm our hearts calm our minds thank you Lord thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just encourage us to wait a bit more in silence. Maybe just hold off with music as well for the time being. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. More, more of you. Thank you. Just want to encourage you just to keep waiting and pressing in. As you know, just as we wait on the Lord, great stuff happens. As we make that space. Just think for some, it's like God is giving you an increased hunger for himself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Since one of the things that the Lord is doing as well, maybe there may be some kind of manifestations that accompany this or some sensations in your body, but the Lord is stirring up greater, uh, um, greater sensitivity to his voice. He's releasing kind of more prophetic gifting. And, and maybe for some people, you kind of sense something happening on your ears or on your eyes. That it's almost like a kind of in a way of God just affirming that he's, he's starting something. He's doing something in you. If that's you, if you sense that, just just raise your hand where you are. If you sense there's something on your ears, something on your eyes, thank you, Lord. More, more. We just want to bless that, Lord. More, thank you, Lord. Intensify that, and increase that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greater clarity of your voice. I pray, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord is activating gifts here tonight as well in the area of healing. Perhaps some people are feeling a heat on their hands or a tingling. Is that relevant for someone here? Just raise your hands. Actually, thank you, Lord. Oh, we just want to bless that. Would you continue to release your gifts? Just as we press in and we wait, God deposits things in us. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. More, Lord. More. More. Release gifts, God. Release anointing in this place. Thank you. Thank you.